Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening on Nick Kunza from Sundown Private Wealth and Zuelakim Guni from Benguela Global Fund Managers. If you'd like to send questions to us, please just email us tonight, stockwatch at bdtv.co.za, uh, and uh, let us go to you, Nick, first. Um, Zuelaka, good evening to you. Um, mm -hmm. It's a horrible time out there in the markets as a result of the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. Um, I suppose people are, but maybe curious as to how this one particular mm. bank has caused such kind of a, a contagion effect. Um, but it's not, it's not just about this bank, right? It's about um, what the sudden increase in interest rates has done to global financial institutions mm. everywhere. Yeah, evening, Juliet. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's a bigger reflection of, of the environment we're in now, where we've been, and I guess more where we're going to. So we've had, we've had 10 years of free money uh, offshore. Uh, your cost of capital has been effectively free. You've had people taking risk, companies taking risk. You've had a, a, a fairly a good environment, COVID notwithstanding, for, for investments. And then uh, inflation rearing its head a year ago. Um, the war in Ukraine didn't help either with regards to the inflation. And you've had central banks scrambling to now raise rates quickly to combat inflation. Uh, and there, there is an argument out there that they were too slow to raise rates. And now they, Mr. Bernanke, uh, ECB, etc., are, are too quick and too fast raising rates in, in an environment that's probably slowing a little bit now. But what you're seeing now is, is ground zero to what happens when you raise rates. I mean, and then and, and the, the SVB, the, the um, Silicon Valley Bank, is a little bit unique in that its, it's assets that it holds, its, its business that it services is very much tech-focused. Uh, tech uh, and we probably don't have enough time on the show to talk about what they did wrong. And they're playing basically playing a, a big carry trade. They were parking the, the deposits in long-dated rates, uh, long-dated bonds, and they were using company deposits to, to when, they, when they were getting called, they had to then sell those long-dated, they were taking a big loss and, and so on. Anyway, so a little bit unique, but it does speak to a wider problem and what happens in a world of now rising rates. Yeah. So we're like, just going to you. I mean, you've seen, um, I suppose, a bit of contagion on South African banking shares today. Uh, APSA, I don't know if there were particular um, aspects about APSA results that the market didn't like or if it just got caught up in the sell-off. But um, it's certainly nowhere close to how some other banks, uh, US banks in particular, have been sold off. Um, in which case, do you think this would be in a buying opportunity for South African banks? Because South African banks, we know, are incredibly conservative. They are sort of, um, they're saved from themselves to some extent by having exchange controls. And we've got a very conservative and hawkish central bank. So we, all those, uh, those, well, that, those three factors presumably means that our banks are maybe a, a buy if, if um, they've come off in the last couple of days. What do you think? Yeah, look, uh, I think the, the the situation in South Africa is uh, completely different to what we are seeing in the U.S., for example. I think the, our regulatory capital is very healthy. I mean, we're looking at some of these banks that uh, have gone under today. Uh, many of them, uh, they had uh, deposit to equity of about uh, 11 to 14 times. Uh, and that is a classic uh, situation where when you have to take a write-off on the loans or on the assets uh, that, that, that you, you gave away, 
that actually eats straight into your equity and that basically creates a situation where you're going to need capital, either debt or you have to do a rights issue. So I think our banks are far, far away from that kind of situation. But certainly the situation in the U.S. is potentially contagious in that uh, there, there are a lot of uh, cross-country uh, trades and, 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 uh, and money supplies. And I think it does create a contagion for certain markets where there could be vulnerabilities where they are not able to access, uh, for example, the, the foreign debt market, the dollar market or the euro bond market that, mm. that they could use to, to raise capital. So there's certainly going to be some uh, downstream effects in the, in the, in the industries and, and companies, not necessarily only banks. And I don't think our banks are vulnerable at this stage. Mm. Nick, you were showing me a chart before we went mm. on air, um, and you were talking about what happened to the two-year f- is it the Fed funds rate. Yeah, two-year note. Two-year note. Um, you're saying it was worse than during the financial crisis. Yeah, the, so, your, the so your your front end, like your short dated end of what they call the curve, is is kind of the most sensitive to interest rate moves because that is your short end where people want to park their their money short term, and then the long end is what you call your ten years. When you talk about a inverted curve or a flat curve, that is how it works. So your front end, which is what you want to keep an eye on, that two year, uh, basically had the biggest move, a hundred basis point move. It was almost over five. Do you think it was over five percent yield a week ago? at 5.1, it's now 4.1. So to put that in perspective, those who don't really follow bond markets, that the last time it moved this big was 1987 Black Wednesday crash. Sure. Even during even during the, the great financial crisis, it had moved 64, uh, what they call pips, 64 basis points. Uh, and um, uh, during the dot-com bubble, it moved about 50-odd. So this, I mean, th- these are significant moves, significant moves. And, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of uh, follow-through here with something, because you don't have moves of this extreme. And, and something doesn't break. And I think that's what the market's telling you now. Just be mm. very, very careful. But I agree, we're a little bit uh, isolated here in South Africa, but these moves in global financial markets are going to affect everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Zoelaka, just before we go to um, to questions, I wanted to ask you about what happened to MTN today. Um, the shares were off over 10%. They came out with results essentially saying that they have to decrease their EBITDA f- forecasts. I mean, it wasn't an it wasn't an excessive um, diminishment in in their expectations of earnings, but clearly a relentless load shedding and, and network issues and security issues are affecting them. Why did the stock come off as much as it did? Do you think? Uh, I, I think the other thing that you have to add on top of the the points that you've made uh, is the fact that. Uh, the Nigerian market is highly dependent on the banking sector and. If indeed we get to a situation where we get to a tighter uh, uh, banking environment uh, going forward, banks are unlikely to lend, uh, for example, in Nigeria, and uh, they want, uh, because they have to keep their capital to try and meet the deposit uh, uh, withdrawals. And that would have a downstream effect on companies that are operating in Nigeria, for example. And that would have a severe effect on the growth of the economy. And that would have directly an effect on the, the exchange rate. The Naira, I think the Naira will actually be revalued. I think uh, MTN will also suffer because if the economy is not doing well, I mean, their, their network and their, their, their productivity of their network might not be uh, fully utilized. Mm. And is this all as a result of SVB uh, as the, the starting point? 
I think if you look across the world, the, the banking sector is down, and I think the Nigerian banking sector is also under pressure. I mean, there's always been a liquidity situation in Nigeria that, that's been ongoing. I think this kind of situation may make it very difficult for them to actually access uh, U.S. dollars uh, without giving up a lot more on their currency. I think that effect is probably going to be felt through. You've got a Ghana situation as well that is, they've resolved the tax situation, but I don't think the currency situation has been uh, satisfactorily uh, resolved. So mm -hmm. those two markets are quite significant. And then you add the load shedding in South Africa and, and all these challenges. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just feels like it wasn't uh, a positive environment. It's a decent company, but I don't know if it's a, it's a positive environment for them to, to succeed, especially given their complexity. I mean, Nick, this is quite a, an about turn from where we were this time last year. This time last year, MTN was retracing mm. previous um, levels that it hadn't seen in a long time. Everyone was quite excited about the fact that it was back at 200 rand a share. And here we are today, 126 mm. rand. What would you do at this point? Uh, I'd be holding cautiously. Um, un unfortunately, yeah, there's a lot of headwinds now. I mean, and a year ago, obviously, fintech and talk about them spinning off their money business was was the buzzword. Now, given what's happened in the last couple of weeks, offshore tech is the no-go to. Um, and and yeah, I mean, gone is a problem. Uh, South Africa load shedding. I think the the CEO mentioned today about operating and I think he said a failed state. Please don't quote me on that. No, no, he but said we are close to close approaching to failed state I mean, status. I mean, the outlook was was dire to say least. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of CEOs coming out and yeah. from Mark Brown and a few of the others saying it like it is. But here's another one saying, listen, operating in South Africa with load shedding, we've gone backwards, 3.4% down. That wasn't penciled in. So again, it's just another cry from help from the private sector to, to the government to say, sort this load shedding out. Yeah. Well, you could see uh, TF uh, Fashini's uh, trading update. Another one I think load shedding was mentioned no, about a thousand times and a billion rands uh, knocked off sales. But this is reality. No, I know. I'm not yeah. laughing. It's, uh, it's yeah. no laughing matter. Um, so moving to a question, actually, it's on Mr. Price rather than TFG. And just a reminder to viewers, if you don't mind emailing, emailing us rather, stockwatch at bdtv.co.za tonight because our uh, text line's not working. Um, the, the question on Mr. Price's of late, Mr. Price has been in a complete decline. How concerned should one be, or perhaps would now be a good time to be averaging out? So we're like, um, okay, so would you be averaging out um, if you had bought Mr. Price at higher levels, or are you just, is it just too, is the outlook just too grim given loading and shedding in particular, just how much that's sucking from companies in terms of money that they can actually return to shareholders. Um, what, what would you do? Look, I don't think Mr. Price is expensive at current levels, but I think what uh, is currently a big uncertainty is the outlook for the economy and how it affects the consumer. And I think Mr. Price historically had the benefit of people trading down towards their kind of uh, price points. But I think they've also struggled to, to extract uh, a value in the market. I think uh, sometimes some of their fashion hasn't been uh, in line with what the, the consumers expected. So I think you probably want to uh, hang around a bit and see uh, how things uh, go. But they did speak about their effort to try and uh, uh, stave off the, the effect of the load shedding. Uh, some... Uh, uh, 
pay points that are, are actually can survive without electricity for quite some time. So I think the time, all those things to try and be able to trade. But I also think the, the environment as a whole is not uh, conducive. I don't, I don't think it's a great time to be having a lot of exposure to these type of stocks. Mm. Nick, which is, I suppose, not what you want to hear if you bought Mr. Price at much higher levels. So if you're in that bind, um, do you just say, okay, I'm going to hang on? Uh, or, or do you say, actually, I have a five to ten year view maybe on this and we're going to sort out our load shedding issues and it's cheap enough now and then I'd bring my average entry price in, mm. therefore I'm going to buy more. Okay, take the five or ten year view, it's cheap. It's very, very cheap, and it's as cheap as it's been a long time. The problem you've got currently is, is consumer cyclicals in this rising interest rate environment and your cost of capital, and, and, and quite frankly, a South African consumer and a GDP that is now negative. It's not a good story to own these shares, but once again, go back to a five or ten year, if I was looking at the share now, for those in for the long haul, it does look cheap, and, it, and it's a fantastically well-run business. Um, and around under 140 a share, it's probably a buy. But again, but saying that, the environment itself is not conducive to, to holding these consumer cyclicals at the moment. Mm. But for long term, and you've got it, I wouldn't be selling it. But don't expect any, uh, any, any strong ramp recovery. Up. Yeah, not for now, on this environment. Okay, well, moving on. There's a question on whether South African government bonds are still a good buy. And also, is Richemont a sell now, having been, uh, you know, having been a fantastic trade for the last year? As we're lucky, South African government bonds, what do you think? I think South African bonds relative to global markets are certainly, I'd say they are buy. Uh, they yield significantly above inflation. So if you are located in the middle to the 10-year uh, uh, space of the, of the cap, I think you wouldn't do too badly on South African bonds. Certainly relative to emerging markets and developed markets, I think we, we're looking relatively good. Mm. I mean, Nick, the, the yield in the five-year South African bond is 10.5%. Mm, it's good. So, and if there were a pause in uh, interest rate increases, which is now seems quite likely uh, the Fed seems to have been spooked yeah. <laughs> as a result of this failure of Silicon Valley Bank, do you think that would make them an even more attractive prospect? <laughs> I think they're attractive without the, the pause in the, in the U.S. I think you know, our real rates, as you said, the five-year note is, is 10 and a bit. Uh, the longer date of 10 to 12 is out at, I mean, the 10 to, to 30 years is out at like 12%. And inflation's at, let's call it 6.5%, 7%. So your real yields are 5%. Um, and also, don't forget, with, with South African um, government bonds, a lot of the debt that we borrow is, is not do dollar denominated. It's only 10 or 12 odd percent, correct me if I'm wrong, it's somewhere around that. So it's, I, I actually think South African government bonds are actually looking quite attractive. So I think it's probably not a bad play right now. Okay, so you're both um, yeah. South African government bonds. Nick, just staying with you. Mm. Uh, what about uh, Richemont? Would you sell it at this point, having enjoyed sure. a, a phenomenal recovery? Where is it now? 186, 182, I don't Can't know. Can't remember, I seem to remember it going to over 200 sorry, grand. Sorry, yeah, sorry, 280s. Were we now losing track of the, of the numbers here? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we um, need that chart to come up pretty damn fast. <laughs> but nevertheless, it, I mean, you've practically doubled your money in the space of, of 12, 18 months. Uh, Richemont, Richemont is very expensive, but I would be, if I was, a, we are shareholders, so I'd be a little bit cautious selling right now because there's, there's, there's a couple of positives. Firstly, 
Uh, there's an active investor called, uh, I think it's Bluebell, that's sitting on the board that's been pushing uh, Mr. Rupert, the bear, uh, and he's been very irritated by him. Yeah, they've got 270. So, sorry, it was up at almost, yeah, up at 285. So, um, they want action. Uh, it's it's underperformed. Even re even looking at this chart, it's underperformed the likes of LVMH and, and Kering is the other one. Uh, and then, also, there's been rumors. There's a rumor every six months that uh, LVMH wants to buy Richemont. It's nothing new. But this time around, I think it was an Austrian newspaper came out a week or so ago, so there's credible evidence. So there's a little bit of premium in there because of this takeover speculation, like, a, like as I said, like it is every six months. So at the moment, there's a bit of a tailwind behind it, and luxury goods are the go-to at the moment. So I wouldn't be selling it in a hurry, but uh, it is expensive. There's no stretch of the imagination. It's it's trading 18, 19, 20 somewhere P's. For luxury goods, that's expensive. Yeah. So, Walake, um, what's your view? Uh, would you sell um, or would you maybe sell a little bit uh, or not at all? Look, I, I'd probably sell a little bit, but I certainly think I would demand overweight in Richmond. And mainly because if you look at where we are in uh, the state of our economy, I'm not sure if uh, the SA Inc. stocks have any chance of uh, delivering better returns that we can get what, than what we can get through a company like Richmond. I mean, everybody's under pressure around the world, but I think the the rich and the uh, wealthy are actually doing a lot better than many of us. And, and that creates a bit of resilience and, and gives them pricing power. So I'll probably not sell in a haste and I would, I would definitely remain overweight more just to to okay. try and, and manage the, the currency risk uh, from from the South African side. Mm. I have to say, I've been watching some grotesque videos on Instagram. <laughs> oh, I really, um, and it's uh, it's 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 a it's a it's a series of how much is your outfit. And this person goes around, you know, Milan or Paris or London, whatever, and they tot up your Chanel jacket and your Hermes handbag, et cetera, et cetera. And that seems to be the aim. It's not how stylish you are. It's how much money you have <laughs> swaddled about your person. So, I mean, you know, that seems to me that um, uh, if that's an indication uh, that Richmond or LVMH or Gucci is going to carry on doing well. Um, there's a question on Sun International, and they came out with results today, which mm. were absolutely fabulous. Yeah, they're great. Um, and the question is, can your please give their view on Sun International results. Is it still a buy? Nick, what do you think? It is probably still a buy. I think it's up about, uh, also about 30% so far this year. So it has had a big bounce, but very well run business. Um, they, they, a while ago, they, did they have a rights issue if I remember correctly? Or they, they, I think Couple, they did two. A two rights issue a few years ago. So <laughs> you know, they, they, their debt looks a lot better. There we go. Um, 34 and 40. Uh, I, I quite like it. I think uh, given the weaker end, given the tourism, given the the attractiveness of, of what we're seeing and, and the post-COVID lockdowns, people traveling again, I think it's sitting in quite a nice place. Um, mm -hmm. And the results prove it. So I think, I think it's pretty decent. I think you can own it. I like it. I mean, it's really lucky. I thought the outlook statement was really positive. Mm. Um, you know, they've got the urban casinos, they've got sunslots, and then they've got sunbet, which uh, is showing phenomenal growth. Yeah, and they were quite... They sort of spun the whole load shedding crisis in quite a positive way. So they're investing in the business and they think they actually might make a return um, of capital spent on, you know, getting themselves um, maybe somewhat more ESCOM independence. Uh, so it seemed to me a very positive outlook, um, in which case uh, I imagine that if, if you were a holder of Sun International, you might want to add um, or, or do you think 
that the, the, the heavy lifting as far as the share price is concerned has been done? Yeah, only uh, for me, I mean, uh, I, th I think it's done quite a lot in a short space of time. I do think that uh, they their results were also flooded by the recovery from uh, the the COVID-19 kind of uh, situation. I mean, they had a, a, a small recovery last year and this is the first year where they had like a full uh, recovery in the numbers. And I think that is coming through in the numbers in, the, in their performance, but I don't know if that is sustainable. I don't, at least not at the same pace of performance. So while I think uh, it's, uh, it's, it's done well, I'm not sure if I would be uh, adding some to my portfolio at this stage. Okay. And City Lodge is another question from a, a different viewer asking whether, uh, what the panel's view is on City Lodge. Um, I mean, would you buy a City Lodge if you could buy a Sun International? Is where luck is staying with you? Yeah, look, uh, I'd also be cautious. I mean, they, they, they have struggled uh, a few years ago and they've improved again on the back of tourism uh, kicking in. What we don't know is the whole uh, rate cycle or the, 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 the clipping of uh, consumption expenditure through uh, interest rates, but also the, the whole uh, possible contagion from the banking sector what would it do to uh, the tourism uh, and what, 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 where would that leave uh, companies like City, City Lodge? I do think that there is some scope for their capacity utilization to improve. And if the locals uh, take their, 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 their travel uh, expenditure back to where it was in, 19, in, in 2019, I think we could see uh, further improvements in the performance. But I'd be very cautious about uh, uh, maybe going out and buy these stocks at mm. these current levels. Nick, do you share the same view or do you differ here on City Lodge? Yeah, I think, I think well, firstly, I differ. Look, I agree on the, on the sector. I think you'll be very cautious. I mean, if the, if the world economy is starting to slow down and someone like City Lodge also very reliant on the business traveller, then a caution is warranted. If you, if you want to drill down into the specific stock, though, and, and the business itself, City Lodge in that group is a very well-run business. I mean, they break even points on their room occupancy is around about 50%, which is unheard of. Uh, most hotels operate on a break even of in the 70s. So from that point of view, you do have protection. Although again, just a word of caution, um, is the business traveler going to continue going around if, if the economy is slowing a bit? So I'd, I'd, again, I'd, I'd be a little bit more cautious on this. Okay. Uh, and then there was a, a question on Copper 360. Um, I did an interview with Nelson, yeah, Nelson the, the CEO, asking uh, whether it was coming, it was supposed to come to the Altex in February. Has this taken place? I don't think so. Haven't mm. seen in Zuelake. Nick and I are shaking our heads. I haven't seen it. So I don't know what's going on no, there. I haven't. There's a bit of a delay. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah. um, does the panel have a view? Okay, so I don't, I mean, I haven't actually seen the prospectus. I don't know if you have, Nick. I read, I read the article. Um, I've got a view on copper. Um, I'm a big copper bull. I think it's a, everywhere you read about massive shortage. Uh, Glencore highlighted in their earnings. Everyone, there's a shortage of copper. So if they're getting copper, was it the Northern Cape they, they're getting yeah. out of? Yeah. I mean, if, if we get access to high-grade copper out of, in our borders, then I'm a big fan. I would be a buyer, but I haven't seen a perspective. So I just like the copper story. Yeah. Uh, so we're like, do you like the copper story? Would you go for a small, somewhat speculative play, or would you go for a, a, um, a diversified miner that has copper as merely one aspect of its business? Well, I, I think the, the prospects of copper are very 
uh, promising in the long term. But I don't know in a in a tough economic environment, these uh, businesses tend to to or at least the, the sector tends to come under pressure as a whole because demand kind of uh, gets weaker. But I do think that long term copper is a strong. Uh, opportunity to it's something that i would invest in uh certainly uh long term it should deliver amazing performance given the electrification or the transition to electrification yeah okay and i will make it my homework to uh phone Jan nelson and see what is happening to their listing um but getting to your stock picks now um nick uh, sorry uh, what is yours uh, this evening uh same as last time it's a little bit boring Juliette. sorry uh, aspen we we talked about it sort of pre its announcement first of march it's obviously bounced quite nicely since then uh i still like it uh, we still like it it's uh defensive um that pharmaceutical sector does reasonably well things are slowing down um, and I thought the earnings were pretty good, um, and the market up, up it. Yeah, and it, uh, for me, the ultimate uh, expression of what the market thinks is exactly on the screen, and the results, the, the stock price reacted accordingly. So I still, it's a little bit rich here, but I think you can still, you can still look at it. Um, it's probably worth closer to two hundred, not one eighty-four. Okay. So we're lucky. How about you? I'll go with Spa. Uh, I think uh, the company has been. Uh, badly mismanaged in the past, and we've seen lots of changes at the board level and at uh, management level. I think I have a lot of confidence in the current uh, uh, chairman uh, slash CEO. I think uh, the business in South Africa has struggled because the, there wasn't good leadership, but I think that uh, going forward, we're likely to see uh, gradual improvements in the business, and certainly the business in Poland it's something that they need to consider exiting but if they exit that business i think this business would be uh easily 180 rents hmm. cheapers another another failed um offshore venture um well <laughs> i guess we'll see what happens in the next set of results so we're lucky thanks very much for joining us online nick thanks very much for coming into studio as we're lucky Mguni is from benguela global fund managers nick kunza is from sundown private wealth and sonati will be back with stockwatch tomorrow night have a good evening I'm gonna go